This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I watched most of my football at Villa Park as a kid. But, you know, we would, we'd always, we'd go down to... Like a, an, an on weekend would be, we'd play football in the morning for the school, probably go to Villa Park in the afternoon, um, and then we used to go and watch the Speedway, which was just around the corner from Villa Park. We used to go and watch the Brummies Speedway in the evening. So that was a normal Saturday. But those who don't know you at all think of jewellery and champagne and sunshine breaks. But there you go, you're straight away you're talking about it. Is that an image that you've cultivated? or? Not really, it's an image you and your people have cultivated, not me. But you've been happy to go along with it? No, never never cultivated, never pushed it, never perused it. Just been what I am. But get very annoyed when people like you, and people in your industry, start bringing that up. Okay. Never gets mentioned that every football team I go to seems to do quite well. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Nice things in life, make no mistake about that, and I don't see anything wrong in that. I like nice clothes, I like nice cars, so I got the nickname of Big Run. That's what I like doing, and it was my money. I'm just a big pussycat teddy bear. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. And joining me for this remix of an episode, I will explain more later, it's uh, Chris Budd. Welcome, Chris. Hello. On this episode, because we've had a lot of new listeners, especially coming through on Spotify as well, we decided to go back to, uh, I think it was episode 13 that I uh, interviewed Ron Atkinson for. And also another episode, uh, me and Dan Rogers did one of our uh, off-the-cuff improvised podcast where we pretended to be uh, doing a podcast uh, after Big Fat Ron's first game for Villa against Sheffield Wednesday so uh, because the episode 13 is kind of lost in the annals and uh, we thought we'd repackage it and make it a Ron Atkinson special and that was because that was the last time we played uh, liquid football before Dean Smith uh, came along. Villa supporters have come to this ground this season and have seen, with about two or three exceptions, smashing football. They've seen players express themselves and enjoy it, 
and uh, that's that's the sort of thing we want to try and take through right to all the death. I know that's what you enjoy, but you want to win things, don't you? My sort of feeling is that that's the way you do win things. I mean, if you look at the teams over the years that have won things, they're generally the best footballing team. We also have a competition to uh, win a, a retro shirt from the era of uh, Ron Atkinson. That coming up too. So the show will be... We'll just talk about Big Ron and then we'll uh, we'll have it. It's about an eight-minute uh, segment from a previous podcast of me and Dan uh, improvising a podcast called Big Fat Ron's Clarence Boo Army and then it will go into the interview uh, for about 30 minutes. First of all, though, I think for you, Chris... Was Ron Atkinson the first Villa manager that you were actually yeah, going yeah. to see, yep. see as a kid? That was, that was that was my starting area. Kind of a little bit later on, it was sort of 93, 94, and more into 94, 95 when I started going. So, yeah, he'd have been my first manager. I mean, I, you know, I was a kid, like young kid, when we had the 80s team, which was obviously winning shit back then. But Ron was like when I was, uh, you know, the big Ron's first season especially the season we were chasing for the title that was like one of my times where I was going you know home and away more regular than I you know ever had been doing obviously I was getting older and it was a great time especially chasing for that title what were your favorite memories of of that big run era I suppose it would be the the 93-94 cup run obviously culminating in the the win against United the Inter Milan penalty shootout I think that would have been one of the first times I ever saw a penalty shootout. That and the obviously the infamous Tranmere one. Yeah, you know a lot of people have fond memories of uh, the Big Ron uh, era, but it was, it was literally only uh, only a handful of seasons, wasn't it? Like three seasons. Uh, what it, ninety one, ninety two, two ninety three. Yeah, it was there four years. Well, sort of three and a half seasons. Yeah, you kind of went. Yeah, no, November was it? November ninety five. So. And he he went from uh, hero to zero in uh, like a shocking uh, amount of time. Uh, we'd run the numbers on this, and uh, how, how many wins was it? It was four I league think wins it was, in yeah. his last well, we worked games. Out, yeah, it was it was four league wins in twenty three matches after beating United in the cup final. So Villa kind of got the job done and then imploded. Yeah, because I remember they 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 stopped bothering in the league uh, in the run up to the uh, the final. I mean, I was I was confident in the final, even they were on a, a poor poor run of form. So, uh, what was the best game you watched under Big Run? I reckon the Tranmere semi that that, that second leg, was yeah, pretty was pretty ridiculous to win it, you know, to get to Wembley in that style. And they'd they'd been re- it'd been a really exciting cup run anyway, hadn't it? You know, I think they'd gone to Arsenal and won. They'd gone to Spurs and won. We beat, they'd, the, they'd blues. beat the Blues over two legs. First time we'd played yeah. them for years. Yeah, and then obviously the, the the United final. Yeah, it was just it's just a great cup run in general. I would probably go with the Rovers. Uh, sorry, the Tramier Rovers game uh, just because you kind of went to hell and back, and then hell again, and then back again. <laughs> yeah, it was even the penalty shootout swung both ways, didn't it? A couple of times. But yeah, I always wanted to see Villa beat United at Wembley, and I saw that. But that Tramier game was just had everything. I mean another game I always liked was when we were running chasing for the league and we went to Old Trafford and Staunt, Staunton hit that fucking Exocet missile uh, went in off the back post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game ended one all and you know we defended really well, but that was like putting the flag in the in the ground and saying, "Yeah, we are up for this uh title fight with Manchester yeah. United." And I'll, I'll I'll always remember earlier in the year. I say I remember. I kind of don't remember it at the time, but I look back on that the the famous the four two victory. I think it was four two over Liverpool earlier in the year. You know, yeah. Saunders yeah. had just arrived, and the famous Ronnie Rosenthal yeah. missing for it at the whole end. And I think, if I remember rightly, that season Villa were 
You know, I think they beat United at home, Liverpool, Arsenal. You know, they were competitive against all the big, you know, the big boys of the era. Yeah, that season. Yeah, we know we used to slap United around, uh, which uh, wait well, didn't happen once Alex Ferguson got his groove in. Which no. Some of the most frustrating games ever against United. The fact that you couldn't get to ninety minutes and think anything's in the bag, even though you were ahead, you could even if Villa are like one up, sometimes two up with a uh, couple of minutes to go. Never mind uh, United getting a draw; they were still very capable of winning any game, whatever situation they were in. Uh, anyway, just uh, finally, favorite players under Big Ron Dalian. Dalian Atkinson was my first first favourite player, I would say. He was, he was excited. When he was fit, he was I great. was going to say, his, his nickname was Sick Note. He was, yeah. he was ugly there. Um, you know, he was one of those guys, wasn't he? I think he was pro- I could imagine he was enormously frustrating for the guys who watched him every week. Um, but when he was... You know, when he was on form, he was devastating. And in that, again, in that cup run to, you know, pre-United, I think he, he scored in almost every round, if I remember rightly, and um, scored the, you know, the decisive goal against Tranmere, got the first one in the final. He's just, he's a bit, and he had a bit of character as well, which, you know, so many other players lacked. I mean, obviously, you know, it's Paul McGrath, but I, and he, he was pivotal in that uh, title race uh, in particular. I always thought Mark Bosnick as well was always yeah, a big, big one. But for me, I think, to me, that symbolised actually Villa were going to do something on, under a big run was it's very rare that if if you're asked, uh, you know, what one player would you like to sign for Villa? At that time, if anybody asked me, it would have been Dean Saunders, who having watched him like uh, on, you know, you see highlights of Dean Saunders when he played for Derby, getting the ball at the halfway line and just you know, running all the way and, and uh, finishing with a plum. And, and I just thought there's he would sort out, you know, our striking issues uh, straight away. 93. It's team talk. He's every, every week, Ron, every week, everybody was over average. Every player was average and they were all right. Every team was all right. And he's got the team talk, Man United. And he goes through their team. It was hilarious. He's gone, Dennis Irwin, always in the right place at the right time. <laughs> he's all right, average. Pallister and Bruce. Dean, if you can't run these two today, they're slower than me. They're slower than me, the pair of them. Right back, Parker gives the ball away. In the midfield, he's gone, Inson Keane. Thinking, what's he going to say? <laughs> they're all right. They're not bad. They can do a bit of everything, but they're all right. So we're all listening. He's, he's, he's going up the page, and he's gone. He's got the clipboard. You know the white clipboard. And he goes on the wide areas. Gigs and uh, Kanchelskis. Gigs, he's uh, he's not bad. You know, he's quick. He can get him onside on his right foot. Kanchelskis can't kick it with his left foot. Get him inside. Get him into traffic. And he's got up front. We're all waiting. Cantona and Hughes. He's looked at it and he's gone. Hey, we can beat these guys. <laughs> <laughs> They're all right. <laughs> and we did. And you did. We beat them three. One. Yeah. <laughs> Genius. I mean, they were a really good partnership, weren't they? In, the, in those, yeah. those, those, those sort of the, the middle two years of, of Atkinson's sort of tenure, the 92, 93, and 93, 94. Those two together were, you know, the sort of the, the tall and quick because they were both quick. They were both good finishers. They just complemented each other so well. Yeah, and they weren't they weren't like typical strikers. They had like extra dimension. They could kind of do it all. I mean, if Daly and Atkinson played a few more games, we'd have probably won that title because uh, that cost us big time, uh, especially in the running. Yeah. Where where would you say it went wrong for Ron as it were? You know, obviously they you know, they won the they won the cup in March '94, and then they started the next season just so poorly, didn't they? They never really got going other than in the in the, the sort of the very short European run, really. Yeah, I remember uh, interviewing Sean Teal, and I was you know we were talking about when they failed to win the league, and it was considered a bottle job. 
and you know he said that Big Ron really he wasn't a manager for the long haul, but uh, you know he had enough tricks up his sleeve that he could win you the you know the cup final, and he was good in the cups uh, as his record uh, proved. But I don't know, he's, he's you know he's, we ha- we went from having a dynamic attack with Saunders and Atkinson, and then suddenly he was buying John Fashionu. You know, he was kind of like trying to replace one sick note with another, wasn't he, really? Because Fashion, who barely played, did he? I don't think. He didn't have the uh, the skill set of uh, Daly and Atkinson or no. Dean Saunders, if you know what I'm saying. And he, you well, know, he was. from the crazy gang, hadn't he? It'd come from the crazy gang. And you uh, kind of saw the logic of, you know, it's good to have a selection of weapons, I suppose. And uh, if we were going to play Wimbledon, who we sometimes struggle against their physicality, at least we had, a, you know, one of their own to kind of throw back at them. But it was, it was it was strange. It was like somebody just losing their powers. Uh, yeah, I think his his relationship with Ellis had sort of started to yeah. deteriorate quite slowly over the, the the time we'd been at the club. I mean, I remember in an interview not that long ago, he was sort of talking about towards the end um, of that, you know, the, the 94-95 season and where Ellis had very publicly backed him just before he sacked him the week before. And he'd sort of, they'd had the conversation about strengthening the team and he felt that it was going a bit stale and... Atkinson, I think, just went back to to Doug Ellis and went, listen, you know, the the amount of money you're actually willing to spend, you're not going to get anything better than what you've got. Save your money and we'll go and buy Les Ferdinand in the summer. Which, of course, Ferdinand, he left, the move never happened. Ferdinand went to Newcastle and was a success. And in the end, you know, one Dwight York came to the fore. Also, I remember him uh, saying about how uh, Doug Ellis didn't like the fact that he actually took the spotlight away from him. There's a quote about him saying something uh, about Doug would have probably preferred them to have lost that League Cup final just so it kept the spotlight on him or something, I don't know. When all's said and done, uh, currently Villa fans have been starved of decent football. And as Big Run said, you know, my team's always tried to play well, even if they weren't winning. And a lot of people like the way we played. Villa is a club where there should be some glitter in the team. Well, hopefully there will be uh, in the forthcoming uh, months. God, imagine if, if imagine if social media had been around with Big Rom was there. Hashtag glitter football would have been tweeted <laughs> to within an inch of its life, wouldn't it? But it's better than one of our own. I quite like yeah, I'll glitter love football. Using that one. <laughs> Before we uh, we play the Big Fat Run Claret and Blue Army podcast, a quick competition where we are giving away. Thanks to three retro, a 1992-93 stroke season, the season we finished second to United in the first Premier League. It's the shirt with the uh, the, the Umbro drawstring uh, number. All you have to do to enter is uh, either tweet the show on at AVFC podcast or send an email to contact at myoldmansaid.com if you don't have Twitter. And I just want to know, in the interview that comes in the second part of the show, I mentioned to him in the intro how I sang his name for 45 minutes uh, against which club did that happen. So just send uh, your response to at AVFC podcast on Twitter or email it in subject bigron at contact at myoldmansaid.com. Right. Now, this following segment, it was for a podcast uh, after Villa played Sheffield Wednesday uh, a couple of seasons ago, and uh, we pretended that we were talking about what happened against Sheffield Wednesday, but we were talking about when we played Sheffield Wednesday under Ron Atkinson in his first game ever. So as as a listener, you'd be thinking that we were talking about the game that's just happened, but obviously after a few seconds, you suddenly uh, soon grasp that we're from another, well, like two decades ago, three, how many decades is it now? 
91, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, 91. If you've heard it before and you want to get to the interview, uh, probably skip about eight minutes or so. Anyway, enjoy, and we'll uh, rejoin you after the clip. When it went 2-0 to Sheffield Wednesday, it was looking like game set a match straight away in the first half. Mm, a bit grim, wasn't it? Villa were never in it. We're 2-0 down, and it happened so quickly. 36 minutes, it was kind of looking all over. The crowd was singing, Judas, Judas, what's mm-hmm. the score? And the first goal came when you know the game had barely started as well. And, well, uh, the first game of the season, you know, you have... You have- these hopes and dreams, don't you? And you, you go to somewhere like Hillsborough, big stage. You think surely we won't re- repeat the mistakes of old, you know, especially three, after last season. Three minutes and it we were one nil down. David Hurst, uh, David Hurst played amazing actually. Uh, it was a bit of a, it was a ridiculous performance. That first strike in a the way he almost cuts through the ball, doesn't he? Like a golf shot where yeah, the yeah. ball pings behind beyond Spinks. Because it, it kind of pings and it floats at the same time and, and Spinks, you'd, you'd have to kind of levitate to get anywhere near that. It was uh, it was ridiculous. ridiculous. I mean, for me, though, there was this... Uh, it really caught the eye, and that though he could have been a bit tidy with some of his finishing across the game. Carlton Palmer looks every bit a long-term England player. And mark my words, perhaps <laughs> even an England captain. I, Are you sure? I, I'm going to I'm gonna put myself out on a limb there. Mark my words that... He will go down as one of the greats. Maybe Ron should have signed him. I mean, six six players made their debuts today. Mm. Three of them, three of them scored as we uh, we came back fantastically. I mean, Cyril Regis. I never. I mean, I was never a big fan of Cyril's just because he played for the Baggies in uh, the Cov. What a free transfer, wasn't he as well? <laughs> yeah. So his. I mean, his goal got us back in it, and uh, I mean, a thirty-three-year-old uh, striker. It's not the first thing you have in mind when you're rebuilding a team, but he, he kind of was at the centre of the revival. And then mm-hmm. Dalian Atkinson uh, looks like he could be a bit of a gem. Yeah, it was a, it was a good, it was a striker's goal, wasn't it? That that scrambling around the far post and, and uh, getting us back level again. Good things to come, I think. And then uh, Mr. Steve Staunton, ex of Liverpool, uh, on his debut as well. There's this kid who he's, he's never going to amount to nothing. Uh, Dwight York, who, who broke Fed, Fed Atkinson down the line. Uh, I, I've got to admit, I think Ron Atkinson was. Uh, he's just kind of giving him a bit of uh, charity because he's a young guy. I think he's going to sell him on. Yeah, I, I, Graham, I, I, don't see, I, mean, I don't see a future for him. I mean, Graham Taylor, you know, 17-year-olds from Trinidad and Tobago is not really the direction we need to be going. No, we need no. to be getting in like... We need more Cyril Regis's. Exactly. When it went 2-2, I was confident Villa were going to snatch it because, I mean, Wednesday brought on Trevor Francis and that, I mean, he might as well wave, wave the white flag. What? Are, how old is he, like 45 or something like that? We brought himself on. I'm always a bit dubious of managers that bring themselves on. That's not one, <laughs> not one to really endear you to the rest of the squad, is it, uh, well, uh, I mean, I'm surprised Ron Atkinson didn't come on with like one minute to go just to uh, <laughs> just to soak in the applause. <laughs> Cigar in one hand. I've got it, boys. <laughs> fuck, fuck this Trevor Francis guy. <laughs> so uh, what do you think? I mean, overall, uh, just to quickly recap, Big Ron basically mm. came out in the press in pre-season when he was Sheffield Wednesday's manager and said, uh, I'm not. Uh, going anywhere, folks. I mean, obviously they've they've been a successful team, especially uh, winning mm. the Rumbelows Cup. And the next day he signs for Villa. This is a game with uh, lots of loyalty still in it, so it's a, you know, I'm sure this will be one of the last instances we'll see of a manager just dumping on a club um, or, or a player for that matter. So, but the good thing is we've got Andy Gray uh, as the assistant manager, who's who's come back uh, yet again for the third time, and as he as he said in his interview. He's got claret and blue 
blood so he's going to be here for I think for decades so he'll mm. take over Big Ron because I think Doug Ellis uh, will keep Ron around for a long time I mean he, you know he's not going to sack him just on a whim like he has done to uh, previous managers so I think he'll keep uh, Ron on for a good few years and then Andy Gray will take over I mean maybe Andy will uh, ma- manage the Villa ladies team as well because I know he's got a lot of respect for women working in football so uh, oh. it's, it's kind it's kind of a it's kind of a uh, a dual role that he could probably pull off quite comfortably as well. Oh, I mean, some you know, some managers, some managers run an international team at the same time as a club team. So I think Andy can do the ladies team as well. So what do you, what did you think? Any any quibbles about the Villa team? I mean, what what did you think of Paul McGrath? I thought he was a bit bit shaky in the first half. Well, there's a reason he's been offloaded from Man United, isn't he? That he's he's got no knees. And, you know, we, we have to look to the future, don't we? We have to become, we have to look perhaps even to the continent. You know, there's, there's rumours that the big Ron wanted the up-and-coming nonce defender, Marcel Desailly. You know, um, yeah, they I did say he, never... Yeah, yeah did you catch those rumours? Yeah, yeah. I think he said he's never seen such a hard-working player in his life when he uh, went went over there to uh, watch him. That's funny, I heard some skating reports that he was a bit lazy, or uh, I paraphrase, but something to that effect. Yeah? Mm. Well, I don't know. We'll see. But I, but I, I would probably. <laughs> Let, let's I, hope I, I, the microphone wasn't on. It wasn't on. I don't think. Let's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's, oh shit, I've lost my train of thought. We've got to look to the future. I can't see us challenging for the title next season with McGrath in the team. So uh, I'd probably go for Desai because if uh, Ron says he's uh, a hard working player, then I'd probably ignore the scouts that say he's lazy. <laughs> But, you know, Desai, I'm sure he's he's got the potential, I think, to go on and win World Cups with France. I think he's that good. Do you think France so will ever win a World Cup? <laughs> uh, don't be silly. I can't. I mean, we'll, we'll win a World Cup before then. As I've just said, that with, you know, even Desai, he's an up and comer. But faced with Carlton Palmer, I mean, based on what we've just seen. So, you, so you think so you think England will win a World Cup before France does? Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, let, let, let's let's think about it. You know, you've you've even got even around the periphery. Look how you know. Look how Regis has started the season. He's got to be banging at the door. Do you think? Well, I, well, maybe if, if 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 England if England brought back Trevor Francis and Regis. Ninety four. It's in America, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what? I think I think we can qualify for the World Cup in nineteen ninety four and and really uh, run rings around teams. I mean, I think Regis is going to be thirty six and Francis will be 50, <laughs> about fifty two. Deceased. <laughs> You're still at the bench. You're still at the bench. Listen, put it this way: what what are you gonna you're gonna say something laughable like a team like I don't know. If, Denmark are going to go win the Euros next year. Ain't going to happen, is it? You know, we're going to be there, and we're going <laughs> to we're going to cruise. So, just in a nutshell, uh, we've seen Ron Atkinson's uh, mm. new reign at Villa. First game. What's he going to do at Villa during what? his time? What look in the crystal ball? What 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 do you perceive? An ascendancy is in the words of Doug Ellis. I think he's going to lead us to the Premier League title and beyond. From next season, well, I don't know. I think I, I can see as I think he's a man. He's a man as he's shown with Sheffield Wednesday. He's a man who can pull off the one-off game. So I think he's going to win a cup, uh, probably ninety-four. Give him a couple of seasons to get us right. I can't imagine him winning the FA Cup with Villa. So I think a Coca-Cola Cup. But next season, I think we'll be up and at it. We need a few more signings. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think he's going to pull that off. I think he's going to get close, but he's going to come up short in the end. Close, but no cigar. Close, but no cigar.
The Big Fat Runs Clarence and Blue Army podcast is brought to you by Stop, grab your spoon and listen It's hunger grabbing your attention Well, the rice tastes nice and creamy With fruit that's light and dreamy Rice, rice, baby Oh, it's mola Rice, rice, baby Word to your mola Mmm, tasty Right, we're back again. And uh, just before we uh, go into the interview, people request us to do more interviews, which, uh, you know, I don't mind. I mean, after all, I spent over a decade interviewing Hollywood actors and directors and all that kind of clan. So uh, kind of made a living out of it. But one of the things is we really need to uh, get the equipment so uh, we can do it to top podcast uh, standard so we needed uh, to sort out the location equipment and one of the ways of doing this is obviously to uh, get more patrons uh, for my old man said and the show so please do if you're not a patron already please uh, check out myoldmansaid.com and click on the patron option on the menu bar and uh, join in the fun so going on to the interview this took place before the Wigan game I think it was in the first season of the championship it was one of the worst games I've ever seen until Grealish scored and I think it was the last minute from outside of the box good old super jack Yeah, Super Jack came in and rescued that day because I was losing the will to live there. I'm sure Big Run wouldn't have been impressed uh, considering his glitter football. But anyway, we met in the back of uh, the club shop or the Villa store. Ron had just released a book called uh, The Manager and uh, Big Ron was multitasking. He was uh, signing hardback books as we went along. So you may hear uh, some banging going on uh, and also uh, there's a bit of a hum of the uh, air conditioning when you're multitasking you need to be kept cool before we press record we were talking about steve froggett who uh, also came from lincoln like myself and uh, we used to play against each other back in the day uh, and then went on to talk about uh, obviously aston villa actually aston villa getting out of the championship which is still relevant because we uh, still seem to be in it somehow and then the interview goes on to discuss classic anecdotes about doug ellis brian clough drinking culture at manchester united sheffield wednesday and then obviously icons of villa's past you know whether it be andy gray to paul mcgrath and as we begin i set the scene of a damp windy rainy night in grimsby enjoy hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. On today's show, I have the great pleasure of being joined by somebody, I think he's the only person I've ever sang his name for 45 minutes in Grimsby. <laughs> It's the only time I've ever been to Grimsby, but uh, still. Was it the League Cup that we we drew and got beat the here? Cup where we got knocked out and away goals. Connington scored, yeah, yeah, here. Uh, yeah, because we played them in the FA Cup about two years mm. later. Yeah, yeah, when Sean Teal got sent off. I interviewed Sean Teal. He said he didn't get on that well together, but then he said he didn't get on with any managers. No, he's he was all, he was all right. He yeah. was all, his missus. But he's. <laughs> But he said uh, he used to have a top candy before uh, before the game. Gave, gave the oh, if anybody so. wanted one, yeah, it was, it was a little ritual. He didn't have to have it. It was a little ritual we picked up. Well, I did it at West Brom. The West Brom lads were into. That's where I picked it up from. They used to have just one swig of it. Yeah. You know, and it was, I don't so know. Just what to it. take the edge off. Or, yeah, whatever. Because um, Brian Cliff used to do that before European nights. He used to get the whiskey out. Uh, but it? he used to drink it all himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We used to share ours about a bit. If you want the best drinks-related story I've ever known in football in my time, yeah. well, it was a Sheffield Wednesday, and we're playing Manchester City, New Year's Day, twelve o'clock kickoff. So what I've done, I've had the boys in overnight. I've come down for an eight o'clock pre-match breakfast and I've put a bottle of pink champagne on every table. I said, have a glass, toast the new year and that, because that ain't going to do them any harm. Yeah. They get on with it. So that's what we did and we won the game 1-0. Our goalie got injured and we didn't have a sub-keeper. He got injured after 30 minutes, press, pressman. So what happened... Carlton Palmer was going to put the shirt on and all of a sudden Hursty come flying down knocks him out of the way, picks up the shirt and put it on Hursty just put us in the lead one nothing, David Hurst and he kept a clean sheet walked to the centre circle at the end of the game took a bow and waved to everybody because he was a, he was a character Hursty two years later we're all out at a function and he said you don't know what happened there Gaffer do you? he said well go on he said well you know when you left those drinks, he said, well, a lot of the players, Roland Nielsen, that didn't touch them. So he said, I went around minesweeping. <laughs> he said, and after half an hour, he said, I was absolutely shattered. So when the chance came to go in goal, I thought, that'll do for me. <laughs> and so he's got the honour of keeping a clean sheet and getting the winning goal as well. Yeah. Because Sean Teal said he used to pass this to Paul McGrath because Paul McGrath wasn't allowed one. No, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Just uh, before we kind of go on, uh, what do you think of Aston Villa and what's happened the last, well, under Lerner in the last five years? Well, and did you see that coming? Uh, I didn't quite see the demise that happened, but if you said to me, I think what he did, I've never met Lerner, who, who actually, when he first came, you know, he was quite everybody's yeah. quite favourable yeah. with him. Um, all right, I think he had a few domestic situations problems himself we understand where he maybe had to pull the plug a little bit financially but I also think what also happened I think there was a lot of for two years the recruitment was was bad because the recruitment from what we understand was being done by people who weren't actually 
in the recruitment well, game. I've, I've met a few of the, let's say, the CEOs of the time. Yeah. And, uh, when you realise that it's just down to them and they haven't got an infrastructure of football people around them, it was amazing. Well, that, that, that to me always stood out as being a, a major problem. Um, now, I mean, Steve Bruce is here. There's, root, there's cause for optimism because Bruce is a proper football man and there will be more what I call football orientated people around him. Steve that, Brown, for example. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, that's, I would assume, is going to improve things. I mean, this year, it may it may be a bit much to expect them to go up this year. I know he'll, he'll aim for the particularly the playoff spots, yeah. and you know you might as well aim for it because in the past there are teams that have come from. I can remember Ipswich doing it a year or two back. I can remember Crystal Palace, Sunderland certainly did it. Yeah, yeah. Zoomed out and from a th- sort of bottom three or four position, and and. I think Sunderland might even have won the league that year, but um, it's going to be very difficult because you look at the you look at the league now, the championship. The number of big clubs in there is unbelievable. Do you think? And the quality is not that great. I think it's more if you get your act together as a team, you can because everybody's beating each other apart yeah. from the teams who get their act together. I tell you what, I think always been important. I think if you got goal scorers, I've always said this is a division that if you've got goal scorers. They'll get you out of it. Well, that, uh, that was Villa's uh, ethos in the transfer market. They bought all the best twenty goals good, yeah, season, yeah. and it's not really kind of panned yeah. out for them. No, um, no. Uh, can't think of the lad's name. Not the one from Bristol. The other one, um, McCormack. McCormack. You know, he had he had goals by the bucket full at Leeds, but you know, whether it's the right pattern, the right blend, the right playing him in the right position, even. You know, sometimes he played a bit wide in one or two yeah. of the games, didn't he? His codger reminds me a little bit of Dalian Atkinson yeah, no, in the fact that, like in the cup final against United, you played him out wide, yeah, yeah. where uh, codger's being played out, but he really should be probably down the middle and just be known as the main man. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I know, I know people in Bristol that were very impressed with him, you know, and he looks... You know, he started picking up goals now, hasn't he? You know, hmm. I saw him get one on telly the other night. When they, they talk about pushing a defender <laughs> for the head, pushed him, he mugged him. But um, you know, he needs some of that. Yeah, you could have been the Villa manager several times. I mean, as you say in your book, did any of those times before you got the job? Were there any time that you got close? Because I, one of the big problems for Villa fans was when we were, had a good team under Graham Taylor. Mm. And he obviously went off to the England job, and he actually contacted you. Graham you? came to see me. He said, you know, he, he would, he wanted me to carry on, you know, whatever. And we just got relegated. It yeah. went down forty-three yeah. points. We had got relegated. I mean, you get in Europe with that now. Um, <laughs> and I said, I, I can't. You know, I can't do that. You know, it's. I've, I've said to all the players, I don't want anybody leaving. So there's no way I can leave now. Right, mean, did you it, sleep on it, or did you just give it? No, to I said straight, straight away. Yeah. And, you know, I, can't, I couldn't do that because I'd call her, as soon as we got relegated at Sheffield, because I knew we had a good team. I still believe that's the best team ever to get relegated. Yeah. So, within an hour of having to go, uh, of going down, and we didn't know we were down, went down by one goal or something. We had to go to a supporters club dinner. And we walked in, they give us a standing ovation. And I'm looking around thinking, what is this all about? And I called all the lads together. I said, look, we owe this lot big time. 
So we stick together. And that's what we did. We, uh, all right, Dalian left, but with Dalian going to Sociedad, I was able to buy, I think, three or four players, certainly three players, with that money. Yeah. Um, so I, c I couldn't leave them. But the following year, promoted back up, we've won the cup. The side was in good hands. Every we had, we had some good players, good team. Then I thought, right, the club's right now. Now I can, you know, I, I can. The first time probably made it easier. The second time, mm. but, I mean, you had a, a a hell of a job. I mean, you almost flipped the atmosphere of Villa Park in terms of rebuilding it. I mean, did you have eight players in the first game against Sheffield Wednesday? <laughs> After ten minutes, I thought I'd found five of them on the motorway. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that worked for us. All of a sudden, it took the fans' focus. Which wasn't bad, actually. I'd heard, you'd heard all the stories I was going to get almighty. And I still believe that was a contrived fixture. Yeah. I don't believe that came out of <laughs> the hats. I think that was... Uh, I think they were the two last balls left in the pot, like, and we'll keep them Under in the there. Table. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it wasn't that bad. You know, the, the so-called hostile reception. And particularly when they scored two after t ten minutes, I think. I think everybody's gone. Good job he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you talk in the book of, uh, I don't know if it's through an interview or through the book, where you talk about two of your favourite Villa games, obviously the semi-final against Tramier and the, the final itself. But one, one game that always stuck out in my mind when, when you were the Villa boss was uh, when we were going for the league and we went to Old Trafford. Yeah. Because that team, uh, that was like, the litmus test to yeah, see if Villa yeah. were the real deal and people talk about defending in two banks of four now United used to attack with two banks of four yeah. pretty much it was like the Alamo in that game do you see that as a distinctive game as a going to Old Trafford and doing what you did in terms of setting up and believing in yourself that you could win the title that year well we always whenever we played it's quite funny whenever we played United when Kanchelskis was there yeah. I used to bring Brian Smalling in fact Stan, Stan Thornton used to come in and say, I'm in midfield on Saturday, Gaffer, and I like him. Because <laughs> Smalley could run, yeah. and he, st he could stay with him. I mean, Stan was, I mean, he scored a wonder goal that day, didn't he? But Stan was, Stan was a decent player on the left hand going forward as well. You know, he could make things happen. And that year, we beat them twice as well. We beat them yeah, in the League in the Cup, league I think, cup, and yeah. we beat them in the league here. Went to Old Trafford and got a point. The big, the big situation in that season, I do believe, was the and we've seen it a million times when Fergie and Kiddo yeah, race yeah, on the field yeah. the Sheffield Wednesday one now Carlton Palmer played in that game and Carl, that was the first time I thought hmm, then they might be on it yeah, because well, we'd well, played well, Coventry here we knew, yeah. we'd played Coventry in a, a horrible no score match as I'm coming off the pitch somebody shouted they're getting beat one nothing wrong Walk up this when it used to be the big stairs to the back to the dressing room. I walk up there, and by the time we get to the top, somebody said, "Oh, they've equalised." And I actually said, "They'll play till they win." Now, hmm. now Carton Palmer played in the game. Carton said he went. There was a, a, a the referee got injured or something, and they had to make changes. The linesman came and refed him, whatever. He said he went to the linesman and said, "How long left?" And the, he said the linesman said two minutes of added time. He said, six minutes later, we're still winning. Yeah. And I think Trevor Francis came out with a great quote. It's probably his best ever quote when he said they beat us in the second leg. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, do you have any regrets about, because 
you had a season with West Brom where you started really well in the league, United as well, and obviously with Villa this season, about uh, not winning the league. No regrets, I mean. Because you, you were kind of known as the man for the one-off big occasion. Yeah. But there was always people... Yeah, but you see, people... It's quite funny, this. Uh, people get lauded now for finishing in the top four. Yeah, yeah. I finished in the top four eight times. Yeah. I said to Harry Redknapp, when Harry had, had, um, he'd just finished fourth with Tottenham, and everybody slapped, well done, Harry, and this. I said, I've been sacked twice, Harry, for dropping down to fourth. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed, uh, like, when the England job came up uh, recently and the Aston Villa jobs job has come up so many times in the last couple of years there seems to be a lack of talent pool in terms of English managers I mean definitely you've noticed that and can you put your finger on it because the fact that you or Brian Clough didn't get the England job tells you the difference is you know huge well I think uh, Cloughy should have had it in 82 but he should only have had it for the World Cup right he shouldn't have had it because It'd have caused mayhem if it had been given it. Because it was chalk and cheese with the FA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and it would have been terribly unfair on Ron Greenwood, who got them there. But I, and we we went there and didn't lose a game, but in 82. But I think Cloughy would have, at the time, that's when he was in his peak, I think he'd have done enough to have got England very, very close to winning it because we had a good team then. And I think Cloughy. He just won two European Cups and whatever, and yeah. he was bang on his game. And I think for a three-week spell, where he was like, like a working as a club manager almost, I think he'd have got us very, very close to winning it that year. But <laughs> I don't think he could have had it <laughs> with, with nothing to do. Oh, I think it'd have caused some mayhem, like you know. Was that? Do you think that was the same reaction from the the English FA? Which I mean, let's let's face it, they're pretty. Uh Sturgid. Would that be the reason why they didn't get you in the frame, or did you never... Uh... Oh, no, I t- I'll tell you what, I think when Graham finished, I was approached by... They put Jimmy Armfield in charge of um, sounding out yeah, managers. Yeah. I was at the Villa. I would sooner have been manager at the Villa than England manager. Yeah. And I think there was a lot felt like that. You know, we people then, we were, you know, we, we loved managing football, managing clubs. The day to day, the excitement of all that, you know, and and to be fair, when when Jimmy Jimmy Armfield spoke to me, and he spoke to about three or four others, I understand, but he certainly spoke to me about it, and I said, and my wife laughed at it, she went, you're cheeky, I said, I'd do it part-time, I think they had two games to go or something, um, and I said, I'll do it part-time, you know, if you want, but I'm not going to go in a, you know, I wouldn't give up club management to a big club what I call big club management to, to do the England job now and then it was nothing near the, the job it became in terms of remuneration yeah, yeah. and Terry had, had the problems at Tottenham and he, he was he was out on a limb a little bit when he came so it, it, it made good sense for him to take it so why do you think this the talent pool of managers has kind of evaporated well what's happening now as soon as somebody um I mean, you, you look you look at say the top clubs now. You look at Liverpool, Man U, Man City. I don't I don't count Arsenal because Wenger to me now is a, a, sc- a scouser. Um, <laughs> Cockney, uh, <caught> <laughs> um, Chelsea. I think it it maybe has a lot to do, possibly with foreign owners. Yeah. That you know they they see somebody highly publicised abroad and they, you know it's 
Because the coaching phrase. badges and all that kind of malarkey is pretty expensive to do in this country compared to like Spain, Germany, France. Yeah, so but I don't think it, I don't even think it's that. I still think better than coaching badges. I mean, I got my coaching badge when I was about twenty-two, I think. But I, I only got it because I went. I used to go for a laugh. I said, "We're all lads. We've got a lily show for a laugh." And you know, I could. I was, it was full badge. I think by the time I was about twenty-two, but you learn more. Which play? I'm not sure. Manager or people will do this now. You learn more when you went and worked. I learnt more working at Kettering and Cambridge hmm. than I learnt in the whole of my playing and coaching career up until then. I think I know the answer to this before I even ask it. But I'm assuming you preferred to be a manager in the time you were than if if it was nowadays. It's harder now. Yeah. Definitely, it's more obviously more lucrative, and they get well rewarded. But if you're talking about job satisfaction now, I mean the manager now is, in most cases, he's like he's, he's the first team coach. He's a yeah. selector and whatever. A lot of things are taken out of his hands. Um, I mean, it, like the people, like in my time, what we did, we we basically were overall in charge of the whole club. You know, not not the finances. You couldn't you couldn't go spending willy nilly. You had to run everything past your board of directors yeah. in that respect. But in terms of, you knew all the academy or apprentices as they were at the time. You know, and you took you took a, an interest in all those because, in a reasonable run, you you know you would see the benefit of that. Nowadays, somebody comes in like say Pellegrini at Man City he knows they might have the, some of the most talented youngsters but unless he's got one there ready to come into his first team when people say you know three or four years time you're not yeah. going to be a player well you, you look around and say well that's no good to me because I'm not likely to be here in that time that's where it's where it's harder but it also I mean back in the day you were a lot closer to the players than I think managers are now I mean I remember Steve Froggett telling me that you popped down to his birthday party bash in Lincoln once. Well, you'd do that. You'd do, yeah, you would. I mean, Which I don't think would happen in a lot of no, cases may, Maybe not. I think you could do. Because people say to me, and I still believe, people say, what, what, what is management? I say, well, there's a clue in the name, you know. Hmm. Managing, managing people. Um, and whichever way you want to go about it. I mean, I could never have managed people the way Cluffy did. And I think one or two of his ex-players have made a mistake trying that. Because yeah. Cluffy was a definite one-off. I mean, sometimes when I hear some of the things he did, I thought, well, how does that relate to football? But the way he did it. Do you have a f- favourite Cluffy story? Uh, from your own interactions with him? Well, my, my, <laughs> my favourite. There's two, actually. The one, I'll tell you one. I don't know if it might be a bit long-winded, but... Remember when I when I went to Forest and they shot on Sky, my first game back, and I got in the wrong dugout? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Now, I make fun of that and whatever. But there is a story behind that, you know. Because years ago, there only used to be one dugout. Never used to be allowed to say that, by the way, at Villa Park. <laughs> because he thought there'd be a revolution on his <laughs> dugout. Anyway, you know, that was that. But, but there only used to be one trainer's bench forest and it was on the halfway line the visitors used to be stuck so they beat us 2-1 I'm at the Albion they beat us 2-1 and after the game I talked with Cluffy and Taylor and I said oh by the way that visitors dug out you know it's a bit of a liberty you know you might as well have been sat in the trench and they both started laughing particularly Peter Taylor yeah yeah it's not too good down there run is it like you know and they're sat right on the halfway line you're over there like so they come back they're going to play us Christmas time at the Hawthorns and it was when the stand, which is the dressing room side, had been knocked down mm. and they'd only rebuilt half of it, which got to the halfway line 
my dugout was okay, they'd done it there, and all that side was, the left-hand side was nothing but JCBs, tractors and all sorts, because they hadn't finished, yeah. but they bought a temporary dugout and put it right by the tunnel where they came out, about five yards from where I am, and it's bucketing down with rain, morning of the match, I go into the, the ground, I get hold of the ground, so I said, see that, pick there, it's a temporary one, like, and put it right in that corner flag there <laughs> and nail it to the floor so they can't move it. Well, we beat, and I'm saying it, we beat them 2-1, and I, I'm booted and suited, and I'm waiting on in the dry, and they come trudging up through big, thick car tracks and all that, like, you know, covered in mud and whatever, soaked. green... Uh, yeah, and I've gone, uh, all right, lads, good down there, isn't it? And they went, well, what they said was on principle. <laughs> but that but that was why um that was so when i go back don't forget i've flown home from barbados overnight so when i sort of go there i'm i'm walking up there going yeah and because i knew that I, there only ever used to be one dug out yeah. there and it wasn't until i saw Vieira and uh analka in it and Burkamp, and I thought, oh, wow, we've come with bottom of the league with these in our team. <laughs> did, did Clough have, like, friends, like, management friends? Uh, did Clough have management friends? He would have had some. He, everybody everybody respected him. The an irony of it all was, I, when I was at West Brom, I got on great with him because mm. he thought I was a bit of, a, if you like, an upstart that would take him on. Right. I mean, we went we went to the city ground once with the Albion. I played four forwards. And he said, you weren't locking up having the cheek to come and play against one of my teams before forwards. It was a no-score draw, by the way. <laughs> uh, but I always got on great with him. And then when I went to uh, Man U, he never spoke to me socially for six right. years. He just totally, he'd talk on business and all that, and that very curt and whatever. I finished at Man U, and I went to do a TV game. And he sees me after the game, and the first thing is, hey, come on, let's go and have a drink. And my mate, Manchester, I said, well, what's that all about? He didn't want to know you. I said, mm. well, that is his mentality against, I think, Liverpool, Man U, maybe Tottenham and Arsenal. That's fair enough. Yeah. It's like a siege mentality. Yeah. Is there any managers that you actually, deep down, like beating? All of them. <laughs> but there must be like... Uh, no. I, in terms of like, whether it's from respect or just... No, I mean, people, people, a, people sometimes say... It, that about like you know you you went to Man we went to Wembley twice and beat United twice. Yeah. It weren't the fact that it was United. It was a fact that particularly the second time we beat the team that Fergie still thought was his best ever team. Yeah. You know that that that's um, the first time with Sheffield. I knew we'd win the game before the game. I knew we'd win it. I think there's that game and something else. Another game where you mentioned you knew you were going to win those games well, before. But I was really confident, I don't know why, that Villa would beat United in that final. I mean, a lot of it was down to Schmeichel being suspended. Yeah, yeah. But there was just, even though Villa were doing what were rubbish in the league yeah. around that period. We were but, seventh. And there were, well, <laughs> that's, that's classed as great nowadays. But, <laughs> but four to one, was, I think, was the bookies' odds oh, yeah. on that day. How confident were you going into that game? Because you, you made some drastic, obviously, changes. Steve Staunton just had a hernia. Yeah. And yeah. so... Uh, I thought Steve at Wembley, and, and Smalley must have played the, f the five previous times against Kanchelskis, yeah. but I thought Steve at Wembley, with, the, with his great of control, shall we say, of the ball, would have been... Speaking to Sean uh, Teal, he said that you told him, I'll oh, keep an eye on 
Storms yeah. and Konchalskis and he's oh great I've got to deal with Kentonar yeah. and Sparky as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean was you confident going in because you took some gambles I mean with Staunton with Fenton Fenton was the big gamble but what had happened you mixed, then you mixed it up at, at front yeah, as well yeah what had, to a certain extent what had happened I'd been that may have changed me thinking um, or on the Tuesday I went to see United play Arsenal at Highbury I was doing it for TV I think and Arsenal that day played with three front players Smith Campbell and Ian Wright slightly different but and they they gave I thought they gave um, United a lot of problems so I'm looking at it we tried we tried something at um, Old Trafford in the league I put Earl Barrett man to man with uh, Cantona and to be fair to Cantona he only had two kicks Mm. both goals like but um so I thought, I'm not going to do that again. And I'm looking at ways in which... And they were very powerful. In, they were a powerful side at the time as well. I mean, they had Ince and Keane in midfield. Yeah, Brucey yeah. and Pallister at the back. Even the fullbacks, Irwin and Paul Parker. Sparky and Cantona. So I thought, well, we've got to be able to... Meet. And he'd just been out on Longfen. He had Leicester and West Brom, I think. And he, as a centre-forward... But he, he had this big power, but he was powerful. So I thought, I'm going to try and play the three tight in midfield. Three of the, like, our most physical. Mm. Like, it was a shame. That was one of the hardest decisions I've ever to make with people like Gary Parker and Ray Houghton, yeah. who'd been stalwarts for us, you know, and were very good footballers. But I thought, we'll get over, you know, they'll run over us there. So we've got to be prepared to sort of, so that's why we had Fenton, Richardson and uh, Andy, Andy Townsend, who could match them for power, you know, or wouldn't be or wouldn't be phased by their power. And Fenny went in as a, you know, as a, if you like, a shock or whatever, but it, I didn't think there was anything really to lose. And then I said to Daly, and we're going to play the three up front, but we're going to play slightly different with you on the right. I said, if you and Tony don't want to run back all the while, just make sure their full-backs run back. Run mm. back. I remember Townsend was almost on crutches in that semi-final in the extra time. Aye. It was uh, limping around the pitch. Well, the semi-final was unbelievable. Which one did you celebrate the most, that one or the semi-final or the final? Uh, it's almost a shame the semi-final wasn't against United or Liverpool. Well, so yeah. Some <laughs> yeah. It's almost yeah. like a waste. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was so dramatic. I mean, we'd been beaten 3 nothing, 3-1 there, and yet... We still felt. I mean, two of their goals. If I watch them again, I think I think two of their goals were were quite a way offside. Mm. And then right at the end, when Dalian scored, when we came into the little dressing room area and all that, you'd have thought they'd been beaten. We were the ones that looked like up, and they you thought they'd been beaten, and then we've gone right. Our job now is to beat these two nothing, at our place. Which after 20 minutes we were doing, and then of course the the buzzy incident where. Yeah, I know, it was at the game. Yeah, he so. might have got sent off. He might have. But, I mean, history repeated and Villa played Bradford and they did this exactly the same in the first leg. Yeah. But it just, yeah. the return game just wasn't the same. But well, that had everything to do. I mean, even the last kick of the match, Liam O'Brien hitting the free kick. His supposed goes behind Bosnia yeah, and it's the other post. When you went to Steve Froggett's birthday, did you sing that? There was one, there was, that, but that one in Lincoln. Well, no, that's what he said. I thought I thought there was one in town. I thought it was somewhere somewhere local. 
Well, you, you're a big Frank. Yeah. Did yeah. you go to his? I think it was at Royal Albert Hall in '92. Was his last ever gig? I saw him in '80. I saw him in '78 at the Festival Hall. I saw him at the Albert Hall. But that one, '92. That was. I think it was like his farewell. It was billed as his farewell. I think, uh, I, think I was there then, and I should have gone to see him. In '86, I think it was at the must have been the O2, I think somewhere in because I just moved into a house and I had all new windows put in, but they hadn't been put in, so I'm sat in a house with no windows and I got Brian, <laughs> I got Brian Robson and uh, Norman Whiteside ringing me, Gaffer, where are you? Like you know, I said, well, I'm sat in a house with no windows, so I can't really come out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of those guys, I mean. That United team, there was a. I mean, my dad's a United fan, so he regales the stories. But there was a real drinking culture there. Yeah. Was that a myth or no more than that. the the worst? I stopped them going out with the Liverpool players. The Liverpool players could lose these lads. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it was. I mean, no. Fer, Fergie came in. Fergie made the Gary comment. Gary Burfles when he, and Robson and Whiteside were kind of uh, no. known as bar flies. Burtles. I didn't see Whiteside drink. Until we went on tour after he scored the winner in '85, that was the first time I ever saw him have a drink. And then we went to, we went to Jamaica, and even Paul McGrath, who all the stories are about, Paul. What I think what happened, and it was certainly after I left, they had bad injuries, hmm. and they was they were given a lot of go around the the not the clubs the the, the rooms that yeah. you know so. And I think that's what started it all. But then Alex went and signed Rolf Mill, and there was a confirmed alcoholic. <laughs> he, turned, he turned up Rolf Mill from Bristol, and he was he was in the medical room, and Strack went, and he said, Hiya, hey, Rolf, because he played with him at Aberdeen. What are you doing here? He said, I've signed. He said, he said you're joking. They've not signed you. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much, in, in, because footballers in those days, you know, were did have... Issues. I mean, I, I mean, I know I won't go on record with this, but uh, certain Villa players had problems at the time when you were the manager, and it's different now in terms of they're more like athletes. I mean, yeah, but they're always kind of, injured nowadays. What was your kind of go-to excuses like for the press and uh, whatever? Never had any. Never. Yeah. A lot of that. Because sometimes you you know you come out and you say, for example, two weeks fine, which probably didn't happen it was just for the oh yeah McGrath McGrath got McGrath didn't turn up for Exeter but McGrath you know if you look in the first four years of the premiership McGrath and Peter Atherton Sheffield Wednesday had the two two biggest appearances out of the lot I think Mm. McGrath I can only remember McGrath missing two games one was Exeter and the other was the last game of a season here Liverpool when we beat them here Tony Daly I think scored the winning goal but apart from that he played his 40 odd Whatever games a season, he never made. The story of McGrath is uh, the Exeter one afterwards on Monday, and Paul was a smashing lad. He comes in, and I said, By the way, you're out of order, I'm fining you. And he went, Okay. I said, I'm fining you 10 grand, or if you want it through the books, it's 20 grand. But if it's not, I'll find you 10 grand, and I'm going to take the boys to Tenerife, and you're not coming. And that's their spending money. <laughs> but what happened? You know when I said Grimsby in the cup? Yeah, yeah. We stopped at a place. Is it Louth? Somewhere Louth. Is it Louth near Grimsby? Anyway. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, Lincolnshire. So, and we're going off that night. We're playing the game. We're going off that night to Tenerife. And I got the water notes. And I'm going to give them to the skipper like when they're 
in Tenerife. So, <laughs> so I've put it down by the side of my bath, leave for the game and all that. The game's gone. Until he got sent off, then he read that ginger lad from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just watching the game and I'm like, oh, bloody hell, fight that money. That <laughs> and so I start onto Alan Buckley, who's their manager, and a lot of people thought we were arguing about the sending off. And I'm saying, Buckers, do you know what I've let? And he said, and he gets all of his secretary and went, <laughs> and they're organising to get, go to the hotel while the game's on to get the money back. <laughs> and a, the cleaner had got it. To be fair to her, the cleaner had got it and handed it in. Right. I mean, I, but oh, halfway through a cup game, I got. <laughs> <laughs> I read an interview. Uh, I think it was Andy Gray when he was your assistant manager yeah. at the start. I always remember he come up with this quote that he had claret and blue blood and then he went to sky but, yeah. but apparently he was really feisty and oh, and FA got sent letters and oh yeah yeah because the first 3-4 games particularly he had a bust up he wanted to knock Fergie out then he wanted to bash George Graham up ah oh, that was it yeah <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you ever send him off to uh, deal like your Rottweiler? No, I used to say Andy. <laughs> the only time I did, we played uh, Swindon in the Cup and uh, we beat them 2 1. Glenn Hoddle was, I think, he was player manager Froggy at the time. Froggy scored, scored yeah. a wonder goal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But just before the end, Tony Daly had let their fullback run on and they nearly got an equaliser. And I've gone, but it was a Sunday game and they're doing the FA Cup draw straight afterwards. So as I'm going there, they, they deflect me off for the cup draw. So I said to Andy, by the way, don't let him off the hook about that. Just now we've won, you can remind him yeah. that he could have cost us. So I've gone in there, come in, and Andy's, I'm looking at, when I go back in the dressing room, I've got to be honest, TD's nearly crying. In fact, I think he is crying, or he's just about to, because Andy's into his ribs. Like, and I went, hang on a bit, Andy, we've just won the game, you know. And he didn't do bad, all right. That's not his job to be all the while to be doing that. His job to attack their defender. And Andy's turning his he said, you told me to do that. <laughs> I said, I know. But he was a hair's breadth from going under. Taking him out. Yeah. Any regret not going back to Spain to work? That was one of my favourite bits in the book. Is, uh, Funny, a lot of people like that. About yeah. the setup there. And it's, yeah. it's typical of how I remember, like, yeah. like, the president who would, like, fire somebody after two weeks or... Well, we beat them when I was here. We beat them at Compostela in um, in a pre-season friendly. And I think the, the coach, who just they just brought him in from, I don't know, he'd been coaching Honduras or somebody in the World Cup. They sacked him because he lost the pre-season tournaments. Oh, it used to be hilarious. Are you uh, seeing Doug today? I don't know. Are you watching the game? Yeah, I watched the game, yeah. I saw Doug the other week at, at a funeral. I said, you... You sure yeah. you, you sure you should be going? I said they're doing two for one today. <laughs> <laughs> My old man said. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.